It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Today on the Optus Sport Football Podcast, myself and Spanish football journalist Phil Kitromelides are joined by former Leeds United striker Michael Bridges to take a look at the first international break of the season. Hunzi has been given the flick. The Socceroos aren't quite pitch perfect. And is Neymar better than Pelé? I don't think so. Anyway, I'm Mark Schwarzer, and we'll be chatting all that and more on this week's Optusport Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Optus Sport Football Podcast. It's the international break, and I'm joined, as always, by Phil Kitromelides. So, Phil, did you find yourself cheering for England or Spain? Um, this weekend, or both? Um, it's a good question, uh, Mark. Uh, hello, everyone. If, if listeners aren't necessarily aware of uh, who I am, I was born and raised in London, but I've been living in Spain for the last 12 years. So it means that I might have uh, dual allegiances when it comes to international football. But let me throw in another uh, spanner into the works is that my family's Greek and I was born and raised and I want a Greek passport. And so I also cheer for Greece mainly when it comes to international football, which is a shame because they lost 3 0 to the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, um, I think when England play Spain, if it happens, um, we'll see. We'll see who I cheer for. I've got a Spanish wife, a Spanish kid, a Spanish mortgage. So I'm pretty much invested in Spain. So uh, it's nice to see England do well. But um, uh, my heart, my heart often goes towards Spain. Yeah. I think you better off sticking with Spain, mate, because I don't think Greece is going to do very much, mate. So anyway, um, someone yeah, who knows... Espana. Yeah, look, someone who knows all about supporting as many teams as possible to give yourself the best possible chance of winning something, but still never does. Michael Bridges is also with us. How's it going, mate? Yes, great to be back with you, Swartzy, after the World Cup, mate. I've missed you not. <laughs> mate, I, do you know what it is? <laughs> Phil's answer there. When he, you know, when, you, when you're born in London, you've got a passport, you say you're going to cheer another nation on. It's absolutely shocking, Phil. I'm, I'm going to actually take off the Christmas card list for that kind of um, shenanigans, mate. I am fully British. I support England. I've not once cheered on the Socceroos ever before. Isn't that right, Mark? No, that is an absolute load of rubbish because you do and uh, you do support the Socceroos when England are not playing, of course, and he's got about 17 football clubs that he supports as well. Like I mentioned in my intro there, he will support whoever he can support and the thing about it is, Phil, he's useless because all his teams never win anything. So he can't win anything. You would think all the teams he would support, he'd pick a team that could win something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know a thing or two about that, to be honest. But I don't know. It's like an interesting question, isn't it? Because when it comes to like international football and it's it's not clear cut, is it now? Because people have different nationalities. People move nowadays. It's not as maybe clear cut as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And people born, raised and died in the same country. I am from here. I support this national team. So like me, I'm the son of immigrants 
from a different country, born in a different country, and then I moved to a different country. So I've got sort of links to three different countries pretty strongly. So it's difficult for me to say, I support England because I was born and raised in London because I've got the Greek link and now I live in Spain. So it's not as black and white as it once was. Am I back on a Christmas list? You certainly are, mate, because that's exactly what I do. I was just trying to put a spanner in the works, Phil. Me and you have got so much in common. It was just interesting, though, having (laughs) having both passports and living in both countries. You know, we're football fans. We just love the game. We, We love the culture and everything. Um, I asked my daughter the other day, I said, you know, you've got passports, you've lived in Australia, now in England. She's um, become a Newcastle United fan since she's come back here. And I said, who would you play for if you had the opportunity? Would it be England or would it be the Matildas? And I was very surprised. She she actually said, Dad, that is a shocking question. I would definitely play for the Matildas. So there you go. She, she's, yeah, born, she's born in England, but, but had so long in Australia, she understands it. So there you go. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing, I think. I think you can't sort of dictate to someone how they feel. So if she felt like more strong link to, to Australia because she was born there yeah. and that was what, then, then that's, that's completely understandable, isn't it? Yeah, for me, it's very simple. I mean, I, I, I without a doubt, support Germany. I mean, uh, uh, Socceroos, I mean. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Germany since I brought that up. Uh, obviously, they're having a disaster, have had had a disaster for some time now. Hansi Flick is finally gone after a 4-1 defeat. I mean, he's, he's, his record has been horrendous if you look at it. In his last five games, he's he's lost four and drawn one. One was a draw against the Ukraine. They're lucky they've qualified by being uh, by being actually the host of the Euros. Isn't that right, Bridgie? Otherwise, they wouldn't make it. Swarty, I have been dying for this topic to come up because I know how much me and you have given each other stick over the years and you've been all, oh, Germany this, Germany that. Mate, I, I honestly woke up this morning, saw the news, and I was devastated because I think Hansi Flick has been doing the most incredible job. I, I would I would have given him another five-year contract, to be honest with you, mate, just to see how um, how many points you didn't get going into the Euros as the host nation. So, no, but on a serious note, like you say, that... Spoken like a true Englishman. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Phil. It, it, I've got to say, my Swarty, it, it, for me, it's the correct decision. Like you say, four wins in the last uh, 17 in charge. And you think of his record when he took over at Bayern Munich and how successful he was. Um, and we, we know they're a powerhouse in, in German football, but you've still got to manage that group of egos and the players. And he did such a good job. And he just hasn't been able to transform it under the national team. And um, I think they've had to make that decision based on his results. And they do not want to flop being the, like the host nation going into the Euros and getting in there. So for me, the correct decision, mate. Um, I, I, I cannot wait to hear your take on it. Well, yeah. Um, I, I was, it was, of course, it was a matter of time. As soon as I saw the result come in against Japan, it was like, he's got to go. There's no way in the world they can keep him. The first thing that came to my mind, obviously, the first person I thought would possibly take over was Julian Nagelsmann. He's free. He's easy to take over. Um, which makes a lot of sense. The only problem I've got is with that, he's just got zero experience in international football. Very young. For me, I'm actually... He's so young. He's so young, isn't he? You can't have a a guy that young going to an international dressing room, right? I think you can. The only thing is... uh, Yeah, I I know what you're saying. I just don't know. If the buy-in thing had gone really, really well, then I think it was a pretty simple thing that he'd gone, but but then he wouldn't be available, right? So I'm I'm sort of cancelling myself out by saying if the buy-in thing went really well... He wouldn't be in with a chance anyway because he would be still at Bayern. But then he'd have more credit, more kudos going into that Germany side. I think there's still question marks about him because of the way that it all ended with uh, with Bayern. So for me, the natural person to take over, I think, is Rudy Voller. I mean, he managed he managed Germany before. He's there. 
he's got the respect because I mean he's the god of he's one of the gods of, of German football. So I think personally that you wouldn't go too far wrong with the German FA actually installing Rudi Voller as the national team manager between now and the Euros. And he's got to be German. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, it's, I know great it's a strange question, one. Phil, great you, question, Phil. Love it. I only think also because of the quality of German managers that that there are around. I just feel that it's a bit like it's a bit like the Dutch. Why would the Dutch go elsewhere when they've got such a good pedigree of, of managers? Why would Spain go elsewhere when they've got really good pedigree of Spanish managers? And that's the kind of same thing with with Germany. Germany have always produced good quality managers, so why would they go elsewhere? I I think they would stick to a German manager. And I think, yeah, I, I just don't think it would actually be at this moment in time the right decision to bring someone else in who's not German. Yeah, I guess Rudi Voller makes the most amount of sense given his profile, given his prestige, and given that he is there within the setup now. Um, but you're right, Mark. Just as well, they're just as well they're, they're hosts of uh, uh, Euro 2024 because uh, otherwise it, it could have been a little bit difficult. Uh, wh- where could people in Australia watch the forthcoming European Championships, Mark? I'm, I'm well, sure well, of course, on Optus Sport. There's no other place you'd be able to watch it. It's exclusive and live on Optus right, Sport. Right, so right. that's where we're going to be all watching, ah, aren't just we? Just checking. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Thanks for that leading, man. That's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, Spain, obviously, are not uh, not having the best of running qualification just yet. Um, I mean, they've got three games. They've got, uh, after three games, they've had six points. They did beat Georgia last time around. They did lose to Scotland, though, didn't they? And Scotland are top of the group, and they are absolutely flying. They need to get a couple more wins under their belt to make sure that qualification is right. Um, and of course, they've had a, they're, having a, they're going to have a change, which we all thought was inevitable, as the president of the Spanish FA. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot for us to break down here, Mark. I mean, we could talk about the football in, uh, in just a moment. That 7-1 win against Georgia, which was really, really needed, given that they had lost to Scotland. Everyone's lost to Scotland. Scotland had this unstoppable juggernaut in Euro qualifying, which I'm not sure too many people saw coming. But uh, kudos to them for absolutely uh, taking this group by storm. But yes, uh, last night uh, we saw that Luis Rubiales finally, finally stepped down as the president of the Spanish FA. He had been suspended by FIFA. He'd come out and told the General Assembly of the Spanish Federation a couple of weeks ago. You might remember he did his best uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street impression saying, I will not quit. I'm not going. I'm not going. Said it five times. But he's realised that his position is absolutely untenable. He released a statement last night, which was not particularly repentant, didn't say sorry, didn't say I've committed any mistakes. He said, um, basically, they're all out to get me and I'm going to clear my name. I'm going to pursue justice and show that the truth will come out. This all after the unsolicited kiss with Jenny Hermoso, the Spanish player, in the celebration of the Women's World Cup final. So it's all spiralled out of that. He has finally gone. His position was completely untenable. He realised that. And now what he's saying is, I'm going to clear my name. So there's an interim uh, president at the moment, a guy called Pedro Rocha. And there is still the same manager in charge of the men's national team, uh, Luis de la Fuente. The man in charge of the women's national team, uh, Jorge Vilda, who won the World Cup. He's also gone as well. So the president and the manager in charge of the Women's World Cup, who won the World Cup three weeks ago, they are both gone. So it's been a real revolution in Spanish football. 
And uh, yeah, uh, in terms of on the pitch, Spain beating Georgia 7-1. This was really needed, by the way, because we talk about pressure and we talk about Hansi Flick and his position being untenable. Luis, Rubia, uh, Luis Rubiales and all the fallout from that and Luis de la Fuente applauding him when he was saying some really quite despicable things uh, in that speech he gave to the General Assembly. He came under a lot of pressure. And this despite Spain winning the Nations League a couple of months ago with uh, Luis de la Fuente at the helm. He was under big, big pressure going into this Georgia game. They come out, they won 7-1. They played extremely well. Lamina Mal scored, and we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, this uh, teenager for Barcelona. He's 16 years of age, became the youngest ever player to play for uh, Spain. And he became the youngest ever player to score for Spain and in a Euro qualifier, uh, 16 years and 50-odd days, scored the seventh goal. Really, really well-taken goal. And he's a really exciting player and someone who we're going to be talking about a lot more in the future, I think. So there we go, Mark. I told you there was a lot to break down in terms of Spain. (laughs) But Phil, tell me though, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by Rubiales. Why was he so reluctant to leave? Why was he so adamant that he was? And how was he able to actually stay in the job for so long? Uh, he was able to stay in the uh, job for so long because it was actually quite difficult to get rid of him in terms of the machinations of the Spanish FA. Uh, he was suspended by FIFA, though, so they took it into their own hands. They said, right, he can't stay in charge at the moment. Um, why did he stay on so long? I genuinely believe that he thinks he's done nothing wrong. And it's a question of arrogance. It's a question of... Um, like ignorant misogyny, he doesn't feel that he has abused his his power. He insists that it was a consensual kiss. He insists that he asks Jenny Odomoso, shall we have a little kiss? And she says, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> even if that happened, which she says it didn't happen, even if that happened, a man in that position asking one of his essentially employees, shall we have a little kiss in front of the whole world? You can't be asking that question. You cannot be asking that question. And he still doesn't realise he's done something wrong. So, yeah, he thinks it's a witch hunt. They're all out to get me. I'm going to clear my name. It's just, um, it's really quite extraordinary. It's a really, really sad, sad episode, which has highlighted a lot of things in terms of women in sport, in terms of women in Spanish society and beyond. Mind-blowing that uh, Rubiales still believes he's done nothing wrong. Absolutely crazy. Bridget, let's talk about Scotland. Would you have ever in your million, like in a million years, ever thought Scotland would be top of the group flying and even more so, Scott McTominay, leading goal scorer currently in the Euro qualifiers. It's absolutely incredible. When I saw the group, <clears throat> excuse me, when I saw the group, I'm thinking, you know, Scotland, Spain, Norway, this is going to be, it's going to be interesting to see who finishes behind Spain. But yet we are looking at this and Spain, the, the clean sheets that they have had, that's what's been spectacular. So I've just been up to Scotland over the last three days and... It, it, it was quite, you know, humbling to get up there and hear everybody just talking about the national team, how well they are doing the qualification. Um, and I was speaking to John Carver. Now he's the assistant coach. Used to be at Newcastle United. I was speaking to John Carver. Um, he's helping, obviously, helping out Steve Clark. And I just said, JC, what, what, what's going on? And he just said, Bridgie, the, you know, the preparation that we have put in, and um, the players that have stepped up the plate. There is just this hunger and desire throughout this squad. Um, to go and, and succeed. And he said, you know, we, there's only so much we can do as coaches when we go out there and say, you put on sessions, you put on patterns of play, you go through the analysis. He said, the players have still got to go out there and perform. And he said, it's been absolutely incredible to see the levels that these players have shown. 
like you say, Scott McTominay. I, I'd, I would never put him in my fantasy league team because he gets you no points. But then for the national team, he's turned out to be an absolute goal-scoring machine. And he's been Mr. Reliable. Set plays, they've been dangerous. The, the, the impressive thing that they were they were happy with, um, John Carvey was saying, it, it's been the defensive shape that they have shown with the clean sheets that they have needed. However, he did say it's not over. There's some big games to come. Um, but I think they're done and dusted now. They're going to, they're going to qualify. Um, and I, I'm delighted for them, actually, even though I'm, that's an Englishman saying that I am delighted. I think, however, I think the game against um, Spain and Norway on the 15th of October, that's going to be a huge one because I I, I don't want to not see Norway. I, I'm going to come to you with this one, Swarty. I do not want to see Norway at the Euros because we're going to lose the likes of Haaland and, and Odegaard and two players that I'm loving watching play in the Premier League. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that you you look at you look at Norway with with Haaland and Erdogan, how good are players? I mean, they're two of the best players in the world right now, right? And Norway are having an absolute disaster. How is it even possible? I don't even understand. There's something fundamentally wrong with this Norway side that they can't get a competitive side out there. Where you've got Haaland and Erdogan in their side, Phil, surely. I'm just going back to something that Bridgie just said. Do you really... Uh, you you want England to win the Euros, right? So you don't want Haaland at the Euros. You don't want Odegaard at the Euros. You want San Marino, Lithuania, Faroe. <laughs> <laughs> you do have got the best chance possible. Phil, listen to me. I'm more worried about McTominay than I am Haaland. Put it that way. <laughs> I know, yeah, but, right? I know. but Phil, you know what it is though. Bridgie will find some sort of ounce of uh, 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 heritage from Scotland or Norway <laughs> if they're in there, and then he could claim to be, you know, supporting them as well. That's just what he does, Mark. Yeah, he there. He, he lives. He lives pretty close, right? Phil, you, absolutely, Phil, exactly that far up, exactly. Phil, yeah. you didn't know the story. Mark's trying to get me. I had the opportunity as a youngster at the age of seventeen to play for England or Scotland. Now, my manager at the time was a guy called Peter Reid. Full-on Englishman, obviously Maradona tore his backside out for that World Cup goal, really still chasing him to this day. My youth team coach was Scottish, and it was a guy called Rick Sprazier. And I had to go in the office between the two of them, and there was a game against England-Scotland for the Euro qualifiers uh, for under-18s up at Motherwell in three days' time. And they said, listen, you've been selected to play for both nations. Who do you want to choose? And Peter Reid said to me, if you don't pick England, you won't play for this club. And the Scottish coach, that was my youth team coach, said, well, Michael, if you don't pick Scotland, you won't play for the youth team. So you'll never make it as a footballer. In the... And I was just left in this massive dilemma. And I had to go back to my roots. If I walked through my front door and said to my dad that I chose Scotland, I wouldn't have been allowed in the house. So I went for England. There you go. <laughs> Pig root pressure, mate. Pig root pressure <laughs> at its finest. Uh, let's move on to um, Socceroos. They played Mexico in a friendly in Texas. Um, I first, we've got to talk about the pitch because this just does my head in. Playing games, we see it in preseason normally uh, when Premier League teams, for example, uh, all the big teams around Europe go and play these competitions. They go and play these preseason friendlies in the US. Phil, what do they talk about in Spain preseason? Do they actually ever get brought up? You know, like the likes of Real Madrid or Barcelona, they go to America and they're playing on artificial pitches or they're playing on pitches that had artificial pitches and they lay turf three days before the game. Because over here, it's mental. It's like, it's impossible. Why are they even playing on these pitches? Yeah, I don't know where the Socceroos were playing. Apparently, it is Texas. It looked like a potato field in the middle of Idaho because it was a really terrible, terrible pitch. Like, you can't have a uh, two 
professional squads of football playing that on, on that kind of pitch and the injuries will happen. And unfortunately for the Socceroos, they did happen. Uh, by the way, going to the US for Real Madrid and Barcelona has become absolutely mandatory every single summer. They will go. They need to spread the brand. They need to bring in money. Uh, it is a huge deal for them. So they will continue to go. I think they do need to put they do put stipulations on the kind of pitch. So you're not going to see them play on uh, really bad pitches. You're not going to see them play on uh, artificial pitches because they simply won't do that because it's it's not worth getting an injury to one of their players. But yeah, going to the US and playing in preseason is absolutely massive for for both of those teams uh, economically. They they it, it's not one off now. It's every single summer they will go there and play various matches because it's very important. Bridget, you got glass ankles, right? And and imagine that playing on playing on uh, artificial pitches, right? I played preseason with Chelsea uh, in the US, and we played. I think it was into Milan, and we played on a pitch that literally had been returfed three or four days before we played the game. It was a nightmare. Every time a player would push off, there'd be a big clunk of that bit of turf would just push away. I mean, it, surely there's got to be a point where players just go, no, I'm not. I mean, Messi, Messi in, in, in MLS refuses to play on any other pitch other than a grass pitch. So surely there's going to come a point where players are just going to go, no, we're not doing that anymore. Well, there's a bit of a difference between me and Messi stipulating where we want to play. Um, so there you go. If I said I didn't want to play, they wouldn't be bothered. But I, I do think that pitch, when I looked at it and I, and I saw it, it almost looked like it was my... I, I remember getting a, a quilt or a doona off my grandma and she just embroidered it all together and it was like a bit of patchwork. And that's exactly what this thing looked like. It was shambolic, mate. Now, I, yeah. I, I think the, the, the amount of money that teams and clubs are paying for players these days, right? And if you're seeing your players go on international duty to go and play on something like that, I would be very worried as a club thinking, hang on a minute, this could be a serious injury because we don't know how much, um, how bad the Irvine injury is or Jackson. Until Have you heard anything, Swartz, yet? Are we, we still in the dark as to how bad that is? Oh, yeah, I, I'm not sure as yeah. yet. And I'd be, yeah. I'd be absolutely furious as a player going and knowing it. When you turn up, you're playing an international match and you turn up and the yeah. pitch is artificial. I'd be just going, yeah. what is this? This is yeah. like literally rag-ass rovers. Well, it's, it's not it the really first, is. It's not the first time for the Socceroos. The, the, the Honduras qualifier game a few years back, I remember, was absolutely shocking. There was players putting their, like, their, their feet down and the turf was coming up. And that's exactly what we saw. So I was I was very surprised at this that, that there hasn't been more said about this because I think if it had been a say a coach of the goalkeeper uh, or somebody that's got a world class famous name, then they're, they're doing serious damage. It wouldn't be the last we heard about it. So I think that pitch international pitches should not be at that that standard, mate. And um, you asked a question about me. I think the the worst experience I ever had, Mark, um, and you you be able to relate to this was when I first came to Australia and signed for the A League, and I went to do a, a training session with the Newcastle Jets, and I said, "What's that in the middle of the football pitch?" And it was it was a lovely grass field, but in the middle there was just this artificial twelve foot um, strip, and I went, "What what's that like?" Uh, they went, "Oh, that's a cricket um, square." Like uh, where the people do the balls down. I went, what's it doing in the middle of the pitch? They said, oh, well, you know, we, we share the pitch with them. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. If I go up for a header in the, off the grass and then I land on that, I'm doing some serious damage here. So I was I was flabbergasted. And that's probably the only time that I said to um, Branko Kalina, who was the, the manager at the time, I said, Branko, I'm sorry, mate. I'm going to train, but I am going to train. And you're not going to see me go and pick the ball up in the middle of the field because that, that's ridiculously dangerous, pal. So yes, it was a friendly and we did draw 2-2 against Mexico, which on paper is actually a really good result away from home as well. But what can we take from the friendly, Phil? 
Listen, I think there's a lot of positives to take from the uh, friendly up against a, you know, I think they're the number 12 ranked side in the world. And okay, the FIFA rankings aren't the be on a lend all, but it gives you a, a pretty good idea that Mexico are a, are a, are a decent side. Um, very positive to go into a 2-0 lead, less positive to commit the defensive errors that maybe led, led Mexico back into the, uh, back into the game. Uh, young players coming in and, and getting a chance to, uh, uh, to play in the game. Overall, it's a positive experience. I just wonder because come you know the forthcoming Asian Cup games and, and, and World Cup qualifiers, it's going to be different for Australia, isn't it? Because they're not they're going to have a lot more possession than they did against Mexico in those kind of games. So it's not I don't know if necessarily the best preparation for those games because they did perhaps lack a little bit of guile in the in the final third. So it, it's a good result against a strong international powerhouse, but in terms of preparation for those forthcoming games, I'm not sure how much you can take into that. Um, given the opponents are going to be slightly different in those forthcoming games. Um, but I mean, Schwartz, do, do you know Do you know if Graham Arnold knows what his best 11 is? And does that coincide with your best 11? I think he's got a good idea. I, I, I think when you look at, um, I think the core of the team, you know, when you, obviously Matty Ryan, uh, you know, Harry Sutter, Kai Rolls, um, Nathaniel Atkinson, you know, Jackson Irvine, hopefully he's fit, which we saw at the World Cup. I think there's a, there is a core of that side that is still very much the same squad that were at the World Cup. I think Asian Cup, going to the Asian Cup, the performances of, of the Socceroos at the World Cup, with the squad of players that we've got, players coming back. Um, from injury, which I think Martin Boyle was huge for us. Seeing him back in the in the uh, the green and gold, seeing him score, I think was really important. I think he's a he's a really important player for the Socceroos. Had we have had him at the World Cup, well, could have been a little bit different because he just brings that little bit of different sort of uh, fight spirit um, and a little bit of ability to to what we've got in the squad. So I'm looking forward to seeing him fit um, as we saw against Mexico and continuing for the Asian Cup because this is a big Asian Cup for us. We go in there as one of the. I mean, we always do, but I really have a good feeling about this side um, and about this group of players and about Graham Arnold uh, in charge. And I think we've got a really good chance of going there and doing doing well. That's what I was saying to you about potentially having to like practice against breaking down teams because Australia's group is Uzbekistan, Syria, and India in the Asian Cup, and those teams aren't going to be taking the game to Australia like Mexico. Were. They're going to be sitting back, defending wildly, and Australia have to find a way to break down those kind of sides. So um, that's 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 what I was saying in terms of preparation for for those kind of fixtures. This is a good way to see where you are, maybe uh, in terms of a, of, of a World Cup and on a world stage, but. As a preparation for the Asian Cup, what they're going to face there is going to be slightly different. Well, we'll take a short break now, and then we'll be back and we'll talk all things England, Italy, and Brazil. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I mean, I, I, look, I'm actually really excited talking about England because obviously we've talked about Germany and the disaster they're going through. England, it's not a disaster, right? They're top of the group. They've done well. However, Bridgie, what, what's going on with Gareth? When he took over as manager, he said... I'm going to pick players on form. I'm going to pick the best possible players I can pick to play for England. He seems to have done a complete 180 
and all he does now is pick players based on on what they've done for England and what they've done for Gareth as he's been a manager of England uh, over the period of time since he's been in charge, what, the last five years? It's it's not right, is it? Well, it's becoming, you know how they say, um, I'll never forget when the Vardy and Schmeichel in the tunnel, it, it was like, ooh, Danish friends, they take the mic. Well, now it's become, ooh, Southgate's friend. And if you're a Southgate friend, you're going to get a game for England. So I, I, I'm... I'm I'm a big fan of Gareth Southgate because of what he's done with England over the the major tournaments. He's made he's made us believe once again. However, I've got to say that the more games we seem to play under Gareth Southgate, the more players I see like Harry Maguire getting a game. Um, Henderson, who's obviously left and gone to Saudi Arabia, similar to what you were saying, Swartzy, about the players that are not playing in them competitive matches anymore. Like, how are you going to expect to, to lift your level for an international game? You know, I see players like Jared Bowen, uh, Ward Prowse that are playing it, playing football and playing in the you know the best league in the world and playing regular and doing well, not getting an opportunity. And I, 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 I'm dumbfounded at some of the decisions as to how and why when you play somebody like a Harry Maguire that I think everybody at Manchester is thinking, oh, well, I'm pleased he's not playing for us at this moment in time because he's being so vulnerable, but he can yet play for England. So there's a lot of questions that Gareth has got to be accountable for and answer to as to why his, you know, I think one of his mantras when he said, you perform, you play well, you get picked. He's completely gone against his mantra and everything that he was saying, mate, because if you're saying that Harry Maguire and um, Henderson deserve to be in there, because Jude Bellingham, yes, he's flying at Real Madrid. Declan Rice doing wonderful things. Madison, yes, Harry Kane, Saka, no problems with them type of players. Chilwell, but the, there's there's a couple of omissions from that squad where I'm thinking the next game is vital because if he doesn't decide to go with the players that deserve it, then the media and the vultures are going to come swooping for for Gareth, and he's got a lot of lot to answer for. But is there not something to be said about loyalty to players that you've trusted? Like, I've trusted you. I still believe in you. You might not be right at the top of your game right now, but I still think that you have got something to give. So I am going to select you and that will hopefully get you back in the Yeah, no shadow, no shadow of doubt. That does fantastic things for Harry Maguire, somebody who's got believing in him because a lot of people don't believe in Harry Maguire at this moment in time. However, what it also does, it, it, it alienates you from other players that are now not getting selected and they're going, well, Gareth Southgate can go and shove it because I'm going to go and perform for my team. And if he comes and knocking, then they, you know, the mindset of them players that are getting left out, it, it does them no favours whatsoever for Gareth Southgate. Bridgie, what, I mean, what you're, you're referring to Maguire and Phillips, for example. Philip, neither yes. of them have started a game for their club. So how do you justify Correct. picking players that don't play for their club? That That's the big question, right? I, I think there's an argument to say that Jordan Henderson can be involved in that squad. Absolutely, because he's only just gone across to Saudi. He's playing week in, week out. The argument is, okay, what level are you talking about now, right? And we're talking about England and we're talking about the Premier League, which is the best league in the world, and the abundance of players you have in the Premier League, right? I know, Phil, you're laughing. I know there's an argument to say, well, I'm, I'm, Premier League... Do you know, do you know, do you know, do you know why I'm laughing? Because I'm laughing. I remember Neymar saying, now the uh, the Saudi League is actually better than Ligue 1. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that uh, means... obviously tug-in-cheek from him because he's just left the French League. But, but, yeah. but Ligue 1 is <laughs> no longer in the top five leagues. So there may be, what, six, seventh in the world, maybe? Saudi League now? I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, look, this is the thing. I, I I agree, right? So I have a problem with him picking Maguire and and Phillips, and it's not personal. It's more about the fact they're just not playing. So they're they're delighted because Harry Maguire is getting match practice with England 
I mean, that, if you think about it, that is absolutely crazy that a player at a European qualifier is getting match practice playing for England, not for his club because he just doesn't get selected. Um, Calvin Phillips is the same. And you mentioned there uh, Ward Prowse. I mean, what, are, what else does this guy need to do to get a chance to play in England uh, or be in an England squad? Um, Sterling. I mean, if you want to talk about Sterling's obviously start to the season has been outstanding. So how does that not justify him being selected again for the national team? That's what I find really difficult to understand. And I also think Gareth has this thing of, I think, uh, knowing Gareth as well, is that it's about squad harmony. It's about the mix of the group. And I think he's very comfortable with those players and the atmosphere and the group that's being created from those players being involved. And he runs the risk of if he changes it, changing the dynamics of the group. And I think for a lot of managers these days, that is a big, big issue. And, and I agree to a degree as well, but it's England and you've got an abundance of players. You can't be picking Maguire and Phillips right now. I don't know. There's your answer, maybe, talking about the harmony in the squad. Um, international football is, 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 is so difficult. You've got these uh, players only for a short amount of time as well. I mean, picking people that you know that you like, that you get on well with, that you think can deliver for you. I don't see too much of a, of a, of a problem with it. I get what you're saying. And it, on paper, it might seem a little bit ridiculous. But if you scratch the surface and what you were saying, Shortsy, about knowing Gareth and knowing how he operates and how he works, then he thinks these are the best players for me, uh, for my team, for what I want from this group. Maybe you can understand it a bit more thinking it like that. I buy that if you go into a, a tournament. I'm more on board with that into a tournament. We're talking eight, nine days together. We're not talking... The tournament. idea is to get to a tournament, though. Uh, well, no, absolutely, but they're flying, right? And and you, you yeah. surely... I know you can't chop and change every week, but we're talking about players that are not playing for yeah. their club. I understand. You, we're not talking about players who are playing every week and maybe not playing as well. Then there's still an argument to say, look, I'm going to stick with players that I know have done it and always play well. Jordan Pickford's a great example. He, he was playing week in, week out at Everton, not playing well, didn't play well for probably 12 to 18 months with his club side, but still was getting picked for England because playing for England, he never let Gareth Southgate down, nor did he ever let England down. So I understand that argument. The argument I don't get is the Maguire, Phillips being called up when they don't play any yeah. games for their, or they don't start any games for their club. That's the problem. Um, there was also, I mean, I, I, I remember when um, Luis, uh, Luis Enrique was in charge of Spain and he got a lot of stick because his squad selection was, for some people, quite left field. But his explanation was, I am not picking who I think are necessarily the best players. I'm picking the best players for what I want to do, for how I want my team to play. And he got a lot of stick for selecting Eric Garcia, for example, at centre-back. But he was a manager that wanted the ball to be played out from the back. So he thought Eric Garcia is the kind of centre-back that I need to, to, to play in my team, who wasn't getting game time at, at Barcelona or whatever, but he was being called up because he was specifically the kind of player that Luis Enrique wants. So there might be something to that as well. So Gareth's thinking, I want these players. I think these specific players can do a job for me in that position, irrespective of whether there are other players who are playing more or maybe playing at a high level for their club. But when they come here to my team, to how I want this team to play, I think these players are better for my team. Well, breaking news here, Swartzy. I agree with you for once. <laughs> so the question is there, Bridgie, is that is it loyalty or is it stupidity? And, and is it getting in the way of developing players and developing this team even further? Because we, we seem to have hit, or England have seemed to have hit, a little bit of a roadblock in terms of 
their development are they now developing under gareth southgate are they just so predictable these days um oh is it is it likely is it stupidity it, it, it for me the selection of the squad is stupidity because the calvin phillips one and the maguire one is a it's a head scratcher and but the difference is the other the other day against Ukraine, right? It's one one. We're looking for something to happen off the bench. It's not like England don't have something off the bench to try and win the game because Rashford came on, Foden came on, Gallagher came on. So there was there was players out there that can impact games. So the the, the squad have, have been able to change the dynamics of a game. You've got a plan B. Yes, that was there. However. Like, like, like you're saying, the stupidity of that, that that can bring a lot of disharmony into a, a tournament, like you were saying. But in a, an eight-day window when you're with a team, surely the players, like Jared Bowen, who's been on fire, like Board Prowse, to give them some game time to actually see them or just get them in and around the group to see how they, they act and integrate with the players or the bad eggs. We I don't know. I don't know them personally. Um, but are they good footballers? Yes, they are. And are they playing good football this moment in time? Yes. So if you're asking me the question, Gareth Southgate, it, it, it was stupidity that he's done that. And the you know the, the stumbling blocks are, are kind of coming because that Ukraine game wasn't wasn't really convincing. However, you know, I mean, we're going up against the, the Italy are really, really struggling um, in that group. Ukraine have shown that they have got definitely got something where they can offer it and get get out of this group and England couldn't find a way to break that down um, but that the, the the argument for me Swarty is them selections inside the squad is yeah absolute stupidity let's move on to Italy Italy uh played against North Macedonia which um yeah I mean on paper you would think Italy are going to win that game and of course Italy have done what Italy have been doing recently um faltering um We've got a tweet from regular Optusport reporter Adriano Del Monte, um, and it's he says history will always keep us relevant, but Italy are no longer a powerhouse. League in decline for fifteen years. Ancient stadiums. We don't develop players, and are a mess at international level. Problem runs deep, but nothing is done about it. Lose to Ukraine Tuesday. Euro twenty four is gone. Um, is that what we're thinking from looking from outside in at Italy, Phil? Yeah, it's been um, it's been in decline, but I wouldn't say that's because of, of of Serie A itself. North Macedonia did actually beat Italy, didn't they, last year with the in the World Cup um, playoffs? So um, it, it wasn't perhaps such a surprise to see them uh, frustrate them uh, again. And the thing is, when Italy come around and and they play international football, and you look at the starting eleven, for me, I was it's, this I had this realization maybe about six seven months ago. I was looking at the team, I was like. Oh, I, don't, I don't actually know too many of these players. And I guess it's because they all play in Serie A. Like, if you look at them, they all basically play in Serie A, which maybe that's what Adriano Del Monte was getting to, that um, because they're all there and the league isn't flourishing like the Premier League, that that has had a detrimental effect on the on the national team. But, but a counter that is, right? We had three Italian teams in the European Cup finals last season, Bridgie. So it can't be that much in decline. Sporty, let's be honest. We both know Adriano and we both know how how um, passionate this guy is. We've watched him. I think we, we actually had a player cam on him during the <laughs> during some matches that you were working with him. And we, we instead of focusing on the manager, it was just basically on him. Could he, on the Euros, could he's so animated, you know what I mean? So I reckon this this comment that he's come out with has literally been in the, the referee's blown his whistle and he's just put that tweet out, like literally there, it's Macedonia, it's 1-1, this is a whole, you know, it's a load of rubbish what's going on and he's just gone on a massive, massive rant. When he when he, when he he calculates it, as Phil has just done there, it's it's not that bad. I mean, you, you'd, you'd think that the nation... 
I mean, they did win the last Euros. They did win yeah, the last Euros. But, they are the reigning European that's champions. That's, that's, so, they're, still yeah. a, they're still a huge force in football, no doubt about it. And it, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm flabbergasted, to be fair, because I'm still laughing. I can just see him doing he, writing his tweet out and he'd be going absolutely <laughs> ballistic. But that, it's unlike an Italian to be emotional, right? And we all know what football's like and what, what football <laughs> does bring out in people, right? However, you say that, are they still a big force? Yes, they are current European champions, right? No doubt about it, right? And they were very good at the Euros. But they've failed to qualify for the last two World Cups. So how can you class a team, a country, as still a big force when they can't qualify for the World Cup? Because they've got a trophy in their trophy well, cabinet. I mean, I said it was... No, but hang on. Sorry, but Bridgie, you can't talk about, you can't talk about history, right? You, I, mean, I, know, I know they're the current European champions, but you... You can't go on back and go. Well, okay, but look at look at the look at the, the trophy. This is recent history. No, no, no. You've just okay, European yourself. No, it's recent history. It's a bloody trophy. They've won. They've won the Euros. No, the I Euro understand Champions. that. I, no, no, I understand that. But I'm talking about even like World Cups. I'm talking about the World Cup, right? So, how can you be classed as a great if you can't qualify for the last two World Cups? Yes, I know you've won the European Championships, which is a massive ordeal. It's a massive thing, right? But does, do you still get classed as? as one of the big heavyweights in football, if you can't, if you have not qualified for the last two World Cups, it's 32 teams right. as if, well. If, it's not like it's, it's not like it's 24 teams where it's really tough to qualify for a World Cup. There's 32 teams. Listen, they are basically, right. They've had three matches in this group stage, right. They've got England have had five. Ukraine have had four. They've got, they've got games in hand, right. It is not all doom and gloom. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm putting it out there now, right? Talk about you yeah, missing two World Cups and all the rest. Of it. They are current European champions, okay? It's not as bad as what Adriano has said. This team, Italy, will get through in second place. Italy are still a more world powerhouse than England. There you go. I've said it because they've got trophies in their cabinets. We haven't won anything. Of course they are. Of course they are. I, I think the historically, Cup. yes. And I know they've won the Okay, I know. The, 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 the anomaly is, the anomaly with Italy right now is winning that European Cup. Because if they, I, I think there'll be a zero argument having here. If, you, if, England, if Italy hadn't won that Euro, you'd be both agreeing with me saying, no, they're no longer. They're no longer a powerhouse. The fact that they've won that, but not qualify well, for if what? If they hadn't won the major international tournament. <laughs> well, it's not that, that major. The it's a European, European one. Yeah, no, no, I, I, don't get me wrong. I know it was huge, right? <laughs> I mean, they came, they, uh, they, they've come third. Italy have come third in the last two Nations Leagues as well. So they made the final four in the last two Nations Leagues. They've come third in both of them. They're the reigning European champions. They won the World Cup in 2006. Yeah, definitely. Phil, still Phil this is great, right? Because even if this qualifying isn't great, this right. is great, Phil, because we have a lot of Italian Optus Sport listeners. There's a lot of them in Melbourne, and I'm just loving fueling the fire with Swartz because he is not going to be welcomed back when he goes to Melbourne. <laughs> no, I want to know. I want to know from these listeners, Italian listeners, are Italy still classed as a world powerhouse? I want to know. Ooh. My old club that I played in Australia, Club Marconi, uh, they're massive diehard Italian fans. I want to know, do yeah. you still class yourself as a powerhouse in football? And as we speak, they are question. taking your picture down off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about absolute superstars, let's move on to Brazil, right? Um, and I'm referring to Pelé here, right? So he scored 77 goals for Brazil, all-time leading goal scorer, but that record has just been surpassed. I don't know. This, this actually, I'm, I'm very, very indifferent about this. Neymar is now the leading goal scorer for Brazil on 79 goals. Is that is that right, Phil? 
I mean, it's 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 right because that's how many goals he scored. I mean, what, what do you mean? Is that right? What, what, what's wrong about it? I don't know. I just find it difficult to feel that Neymar <laughs> is the all-time leading goal scorer for Brazil. If you think about who's played for Brazil, yeah. what he hasn't accomplished in the game of football compared to predecessors, I don't know. It's I don't know. Maybe it's a bit, a bit of nostalgia there. And obviously, I'm a massive Phil, Pelé fan. Phil, this comes back to goalkeepers union against strikers union. Striker goalkeepers don't like strikers. Neymar's broken one of the probably world's greatest players, broke a record, and yet a goalkeeper is dumbfounded to say he can't recognise it. This guy deserves all the credit he can get, in my opinion. As much as I don't like his antics, and I think this is what you might be referring to, Swartzy, he is not the most likable player to watch when he does his antics and he fakes injuries. However, he's he's a joy to watch when he's in full flow. He's a defender's nightmare. He's a goal-scoring machine. And the record that he has broken, he should be held in the highest regard. I've actually got a Pele signed shirt on my wall here. Um, I'm just about to replace it and see if I can order a Neymar one. So there you go. That's 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 how good and that's how how well he has done. Shame on you. Listen, I I think I know what Mark is getting at. I think I think I know what you're getting at, Mark. It's because because he's never won anything with Brazil. I think I think that's what it is. There's so that every all the um, like yeah. I mean all the like the iconic Brazilian players that you think of in the past and all the World Cups that they have won. Uh, and Copa Americas as well, and, and all this success that they've had playing a certain way. I mean, Neymar is the sort of archetypal Brazilian forward. He can do everything. He is skillful. He is fast. He does tricks. He plays with a smile. He scores goals. Everybody should should love him, and, and he should be um, elevated to iconic status throughout history, but he has never achieved anything with Brazil. He obviously has won many... Uh, Won many leagues with Paris Saint Germain. He won uh, a lot of stuff with the. Well, he won two leagues with the with Barcelona. He won one Champions League as well. So maybe his terms of legacy at club it could have been better. It's not going to get any better now at El Hilal. Certainly not in the European context. But anyway, what I'm saying is, I think you feel like that because you've not seen him achieve uh, important things with the national team. And if you'd seen him lead Brazil to a World Cup, or e- even if he just danced around everyone and they'd won a Copa America and it had been amazing then that might have felt like, yeah, okay, this guy's the rightful owner of this really prestigious title of the top scorer in the history of the Brazil national team. Because he's never done that, I can sort of understand that, oh, well, it's not Ronaldo. Oh, it should be Ronaldo or it should be Pelé or it should be someone else who who, who we associate with Brazilian success. And Neymar is not that player. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a bit unfair. It is unfair on Neymar to to, to question the goal scoring fate, and and you got to take your hat off to him because that that is that is remarkable. I, I hold my hands up and I apologise to Neymar on that. Um, but has he has he underachieved through his career, uh, Bridgie? Surely, yes, I think yes. he's complete. Yes, I think yes. massively underachieved. Yeah, massively underachieved. So the I was absolutely delighted that Argentina won the World Cup, not for Argentina but for Messi. Um, and you know that that was him. He had he's completed football, so that that was a huge, huge moment. And that's why I hold him in in such you know like the the ultimate. Um, Neymar he definitely underachieved for the fact that I think he well, like Phil has just mentioned the, the the World Cups and things like that, that he hasn't had the success of previous superstars of Brazilian football when they've won things. Um, however, on the other side of that, I've seen 
Messi do it for years at his club level as well with Barcelona. Phil mentioned he's had two with Barcelona and then going to, you know, going to play for Paris Saint-Germain. You're going to win everything anyway because you've got the best players. So I don't think he's really challenged himself and he's taken, like, I look at the likes of, in, in my generation, Ronaldo had done it in several different leagues, being the ultimate scorer. I'd done it for you know, just a, a goal-scoring machine across many different countries and continents, and as is um, as is uh, Messi that we've seen. So I, I hold them in higher regard at club level and for international trophies, should we say. But when you're talking about beating Pele's record, that cannot go unnoticed because Pele is being arguably the world's greatest player. Um, and I, you know, we never had the luxury of seeing him, seeing him play. Uh, live, you see all the clips and things, but you know to think what Neymar has done, uh, it, it's it's outrageous. And he's been injured as well. He's had injuries, injuries for large swathes of his career. I mean, he would have broken this record ages ago had he not been injured and missed international tournaments. And and okay, also he's had questionable uh, personal lifestyle <clears throat> choices, which have maybe impeded his development and success as a as a professional. And maybe that word professional, he's not been the most professional player, but in terms of talent and in terms of individual performance and abilities, he's been one of the best players that I've ever seen live uh, in the last decade and a half because we've seen him do some truly exceptional things and you know he's got this record and he's going to add to it as well he's only 31 okay he's playing for Al Hilal but he's only 31 he's going to keep playing for Brazil and he's going to keep adding to this to this record which is going to take a while to get beaten so Phil quickly finally on both you and Ash both of you the same question Phil you start with you is he is he considered as one of the greats of football Neymar He's considered as someone who he really should be considered as one of the greats the for, his, for his ability. I mean, it's difficult to talk about someone being considered as one of the great while they're still active. Uh, he's still 31. There is still time for him to win a World Cup. There is still time for him to win a World Cup. He is only 31. We saw the redemption story with Messi. So um, you're asking me quickly, is he considered one of the greats of football? Possibly not at the moment. And then at the end of his career, seeing what he's done, maybe. But when, when you talk about greats, Bridgie, I know you're, 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 you've got a head in your hands here. When you talk about greats, we're talking about people who have achieved, not just the most talented. If you ask me, is he one of the most talented players you've ever seen? Yes, of course he is. But talent is not enough. To achieve greatness, you have to achieve stuff with that talent. And he has not achieved enough. One Champions League title, two La Ligas and five Ligue 1. That's, he got a gold medal at the World Cup, at the, um, at the Olympics. He got a gold medal at the Olympics. But that's not, that's not enough for me to achieve greatness. He has just beaten the greatest player in history's record for the national team. He is the he has got to go down as a great. Wow, your bar is obviously not very high, Bridget. Please don't don't get me rattled this morning. Honestly, do not get me rattled. He's just beaten Pele's record. Do you not realise what this guy has just achieved? Like, it, it, it put it. You're talking about the the world's greatest player and how many goals he scored. He's done it. He's done it, lads. Bridgie. Bridgie, if you played for Brazil up front, you would break his record as well. In today's world, oh, thank you, how Mark. many games they play. And how good this Brazil side is, you would as well. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I can't see Richarlison beating that record. But we're talking about the goal-scoring record <laughs> of Neymar. And I'm, I'm putting it out there. that For me as a striker, knowing how hard it is to hit the back of the net and find the back of the net, to do it for National Eleven and beat Pele, man, he's got to be classed as one of the greatest. So sorry you two, um, the Strikers Union on this one. I'm, I'm going against you. 
He missed a penalty as yeah, well. But the thing, exa- <laughs> exactly. But the thing I was going to say to you, Phil, you mentioned about Messi and Messi winning the World Cup and it's all about winning stuff as well as being a great player and that created greatness. I still think all of us would have agreed, had Argent- even Argentina not won the World Cup, you'd still say Messi is one of the greatest. As you say with Cristiano Ronaldo, had they have not won the World Cup, they'd still be classed as one of the greatest ever to play, right? Yes, absolutely. But then there would have always been that slight... I think what was important for Messi was to win the uh, Copa America when he won it a couple of years before because there would always been that question mark with Messi. He never led his national team to uh, achieve greatness. And obviously, when you're Argentinian and you're uh, wearing the number 10 and you're living in the shadow of Diego Maradona, obviously, and Maradona did what he did for the national team, the big thing for Messi was to lead his team to... Uh, his national team to uh, glory and they did it in the Copa America on a small scale but it was really important for him and the the emotional outpouring after they won that was enormous and then to do it at the World Cup was just exceptional so I'm talking about greatness man we're talking about think of the millions of footballers who have played across the history of this game over the last century and we're talking about like the top 10 of all time there have been so many talented players but to get into the all-time hall of, of, of greatness of the most amazing players you need to have had that talent. and to, Like Ronaldinho. Is Ronaldinho one of the greatest players of all time? Uh, no, because he didn't uh, like achieve and maximise his potential. He was unbelievably fun to watch and so skillful, but he wasn't one of the greatest of all time. Is Ronaldo Nazario one of the greatest of all time? Yes, because he won a World Cup with, with, with Brazil and he was one of the greatest strikers and finishers. So I don't want to be that guy, but I think trophies are important when we're having this conversation. But you are being, but you are being that guy. I am, I am, I am. Quick one, Bush, watch it before you wrap us up. A quick one off the back of that one, both of you to give us an answer and you can put this one out on socials as well. My kids use the term the GOAT in different sports. It's, you know, it's all around the greatest of all time. In my opinion, for me, Messi is the greatest of all time. So Phil and Swarty, I want you to give us yours and then I'm going to see if that can go out because I want this, I want the debate settled. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, footballers, let's uh, let's 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 call Messi the goat and invite the social media pylon. Yeah, but see, but I see. I I think there's a combination. I think you can say one of the goats because I think there's a number of ones. So for me, the the goat of all goats is Pele. But then then also I agree, Messi is definitely one of the goats. I I agree. I think there's numerous goats, and I think for me, the greatest goats, the Godfather of goats, has to be Pele. So that's why you're upset that Neymar's brought his record and you were saying, oh, I can't believe this has been done because no, you've yeah, got Pelé. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's that as well. You've just answered there, the question. There is that Thank as well. But the, I also am a little bit surprised that Pelé only, only, I say only, only scored 77 goals for Brazil. I actually thought that record had been higher. But yeah. There were a lot less games, weren't there? Back that's then, right. So, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So what, what was yours, Phil? What, what are you saying? The, the GOAT of all time? Yeah, Messi, man. Messi, Messi, Messi. I'm sorry for everyone on social media who's going to start questioning that but it happens no but Phil it's more yeah. our generation you know it's our generation Phil we've seen them Swartz is obviously you know his generation um, playing against Pelly and things like that that's, that's <laughs> where they see so most, most of the games well I'm not going to bite on that um, that's all we've got time for today thanks a lot guys uh, see you next week Phil and thanks a lot Bridgie for joining us Been brilliant great to see you again yeah. thanks Phil a reminder that every game of the Premier League and the Liga is live on Optus Sport, with European qualifiers also on at the moment, and the FA Women's Super League returns next month. And it is a great opportunity to see the Matildas back in action for their clubs. Thank you for your company on Optus Sport Football Podcast. See you next time. Hold up. 
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.